good day. My name is Sky, and I appreciate you spending some study time with me. I'm here to help you make money in online poker by teaching you key strategies and getting you to take action. Whoa, Nelly, I am so looking forward to this week's episode. This is a special challenge episode, and it's something I don't think I've ever done with a podcast before. I want to issue you a challenge over the coming weekend. Now, I'm going to give you that challenge in just a second, and I will explain to you all the details of the challenge. Afterwards, I'm going to discuss some strategies to help you achieve great results in the challenge, but it is called the Steel, Steel, Steel Challenge, so you can probably guess what the challenge entails here. Uh, to help you take notes with this episode and to look up some of these key strategies for stealing, go to the show notes page, smartpokerstudy.com slash pod446. Okay, it's challenge time, baby. Gambate! Here's to the Army and Navy and the battles they have won. Here's to America's colors, the colors that never run. May the wings of liberty never lose a feather. Ah. So this is the Steel, Steel, Steel Challenge. The interesting thing here, I had the this idea with this episode this week, it's that I've never done this challenge for myself. Normally... When I give an action step or some kind of a challenge at the end of a podcast or a training video, I've done that work for myself already. So I know what it's like doing it, and I've seen my own results. And the really interesting thing for me is that I devised this challenge just a little bit ago, like an hour ago, right? And I'm going to complete it myself over the coming weekend. So this episode, I'm recording this on a Wednesday, releasing it on a Thursday. So that's going to give me Thursday, Friday, and Saturday to do the challenge for myself. Um... On Sunday, I'm going to finalize the results, and I'm going to record a follow-up podcast, which I'll release on Monday. So it's kind of a two-parter right here. Okay, let's get to the challenge. Here it is. You're going to play three one-hour sessions of your normal play style. So if you play regular speed, six max games, four tables at a time, that's what you're going to do over three one-hour sessions. Your goal during these sessions is to steal the pot as many times as possible during that one hour, and you're going to keep a piece of paper in front of you and just make a tick mark for every pot that you steal, either pre-flop or post-flop. Now, here's the thing about this. Um, you only count hands as a steal if you do not have a value hand. So let's imagine you flop two pair, and you make a continuation bet, and your opponent just check folds. Well, the continuation bet that you made, that wasn't with the intention of stealing the pot. You probably wanted value. You wanted him to call or come back over the top, right? So because it wasn't a steal, you didn't want him to fold, you cannot make a tick mark there. You only count a win as a steal hand when he folds when you wanted him to fold. Now at the end of your first session, you're going to tally up the number of steals that you made and... um. Let's assume maybe it was 18 steals in the first hour. When you play your second session, either later that day or the next day, doesn't matter when, but session number two for one hour once again, your goal is 19 steals or even more. At the end of that second session, tally it up again, and then now you have a new goal for session number three. Good luck to you! So that was the challenge itself. Now, I'm going to get to some strategies for how you can steal more pots, both pre-flop and post-flop. But even though I have not completed this challenge for myself, um, I have challenged myself to just steal more in general. And I find that there's a really useful attitude to have when your goal is just to steal as many pots as possible. Here's the attitude. 
This is my pot. I'm going to find a way to get you to give it to me. So with that attitude in place, it's going to spur you to look for as many good opponents and good bluffing situations as possible. It's going to force you to pay attention to everybody's tendencies. You're going to look at their HUD stats. You're going to pay attention to positions. You're going to uh, think about their ranges, compare it to the board, all that jazz. You're going to force yourself to think about as much information as possible with every spot that you're in because your goal is to steal it. No, no. You're not stealing it, right? You are getting your pot. You are taking your pot away from that other opponent. So that's the attitude I recommend that you have. Now I want to discuss some uh, uh, various strategies that you can use. I'm going to first give you a great question to ask yourself to help you find and pull the trigger on different steals. I'll also give you two good pre-flop strategies and two good post-flop strategies. And then lastly, I'm going to give you a combo Pre-flop and post-flop strategy, they go hand in hand. This strategy is going to help you steal more pots, but also win a little bit more with those stolen pots. So the first, the question that you're going to use to help you make good decisions when it comes to stealing. So every time that you hold a weak hand, either pre-flop or post-flop, and you have an aggressive opportunity to steal the pot, ask yourself, can they find a fold? So this question is going to force you to think about your opponent's range, uh, how it interacts with the board, their position, their bet sizing, their tendencies, their HUD stats, your own image in their eyes. And it's just going to help you find good opportunities. If you ask that question and the answer is absolutely, he's going to fold versus a three bet most of the time right now. If that's your answer, it's mandatory that you pull the trigger. Now, some of you might be thinking to yourself, Sky, great, that's a good question. Can they find a fold? I don't really know how to answer that question right now. I've never thought of this before. Well, my answer to you is, I don't care. Ask it anyway. The more experience, the more times you ask yourself that question, can they find a fold? It's going to force you to look for information available. Look at the player. Look at their type. Look at their HUD stats. Look at the position. You might not even think about position right now. When somebody open raises, you never even consider that. But to train yourself to think about all the information possible, this question's definitely going to help to build that habit. Okay, so the pre-flop stealing strategy number one, steal versus foldy blinds. Now, of course, this is a no-brainer. But maybe some of you don't look for this. Maybe you're not paying attention to your opponent's stealing uh, uh, fold versus steal stats pre-flop. What you're looking for are tight players who fold a lot in the blinds, and you want to go for every opportunity to steal from them as possible. Here's an interesting thing. Picking up that one and a half big blinds with a steal, that could be a big boost to your win rate. Let's imagine, super simple, you learn how to steal two more pots every 100 hands. If you're currently a positive three big blinds per hundred hands winner, that extra two pots, that's going to double your winnings. And now you're going to be a positive six big blinds per hundred hands winner just by stealing two more pots every 100 hands. So let's just give you some exact things. What are you looking for here? You're looking for tight players. Maybe they're like an 18 slash 14 kind of player. Just generally a tighter kind of player. You know, V pipping less than 20% as a total. You also want to look for high fold to steal percentages. 70% or greater is good. 60% is fine, but 70, 80% or greater. Steal from those blinds. Okay, so pre-flop strategy number two, 
3-bet bluff in position versus wide ranges. So I've talked so much about 3-bet bluffing in the past with the podcast and with the videos on YouTube. And um, uh, to, to see a little bit more strategies, I posted two videos on the show notes page for today, smartpokerstudy.com slash pod446. Go there, watch those videos. You're going to learn the perfect ways, the, the perfect uh, things to look for for a great 3-bet bluff. Now, two factors that really help your 3-bet bluff succeed It's number one, when your opponent has a wide open raising range, and number two, when you are in position. So it would be a good idea during this challenge, when you're in the MP, the cutoff, um, the button as well, do not call, but only play a fold or three bet game. Now, how do you know if somebody has a wide raise first in range? Well, you're looking for that raise first in percentage at greater than 20%. That's generally a good starting point right there to know that they have wide ranges. You can also pay attention to showdown hands. Maybe you see them open raise um, out of the, you know, from under the gun, and they show down at the end with Jack 8 suited. Yeah, he raises way more than 20% of the time. Even without seeing a percentage, you know that he's a good player to target with your three bet bluffs. And don't forget that second aspect, being in position. They are naturally going to be a little bit more afraid of calling you because you have that position. Players hate calling a 3-bet preflop only to check and then fold on the flop, right? Um, Especially if you find those kinds of players that are kind of honest versus 3-bets. Their fold to 3-bet after raising is like 60-70% or higher. Yeah, for sure target them. Alright, so here's your first post-flop strategy. C-bet and barrel to their honest street. So, of course, you're, because you're going to be stealing a lot pre-flop, right? That means you're going to be the open raiser or the three-better a lot. Players are going to call you, and you're going to get to the flop with the opportunity to C-bet and potentially to barrel them off uh, on their honest street. Now, what exactly does that mean? Honesty. A player is honest when they fold in that particular situation more than other situations. Super easy example. You look at your opponent's HUD stats. You see fold to flop C-bet, 20%. Fold to turn C-bet, 60%. Obviously, right? This player hates folding on the flop. They've only folded 20%, but they're more than happy to fold on the turn, right? They don't believe that flop bet. They think you're bluffing, so they call a lot, hence folding infrequently at 20%, right? But on the turn, you barrel, they realize, oh my gosh, this guy means business, and they get out of there by folding. So if you find a player like that, which you're going to find a ton of them, uh, turn honest versus C-bets, right? But against this player, if you only bluff on the flop and give up on the turn, you've made a huge mistake. You already realized that this player is turn honest. You know he folds on the turn. So before you make your flop bluff, you should know that you have to barrel this player off. If you only make a bluff on the flop, like I said, that's a huge mistake. You're better off if you're not willing to barrel for whatever reason. Maybe the stack size, maybe the, the flop is ugly. There's a lot of turn, uh, scary turn cards. You're not going to want to barrel. Then don't even pull that first flop C-bet bluff. Because remember, if he ain't folding, you ain't bluffing. However, remember, right, we're, at a, we're, we're facing a turn honest player. He is folding on the turn. So you have to make that first flop bluff. Even though you know he is not going to fold, 
That first bluff allows you to make the second bluff in a spot where you know he has a high likelihood of folding. And your second post-flop strategy is to check-raise the flop instead of C-betting. That player that we just mentioned who doesn't like to fold on the flop, um, there's a good chance that the same player, he's going to bet when you check to him on the flop. So let's imagine you open-raised in the cutoff, the same player called on the button, the blinds folded. When you miss on that flop, time down for just a few seconds and then hit the check button. That time down is going to make him, potentially, it's going to make him think that you hit something, maybe you have an overpair, and you're timing down thinking about your options. And this is really good, especially if you know your opponent likes to bet when you check, when they have position especially. Maybe their float percentage is like 60% or more. Against these players, when they make their float bet, you need to now check raise, and you got to make it a size that will convince them to fold. And that's a key thing. Let's imagine a scenario right here. You open raise to three big blinds in the cutoff. He calls on the button, the blinds fold. That pot on the flop is now 7.5 big blinds. If you check, there's a good chance he's going to float, but what if he makes it only 2.5 big blinds? And you think to yourself, well, he made a 2.5. I can 3x it to 7.5. 3x is a scary size. That is sure to get him to fold. Well, let me tell you something. It probably won't, right? He only has to call five more big blinds to win a total pot after his call of 22.5 big blinds. So five divided by 22.5, the break-even point, his call only needs to result in winning the hand 22% of the time. And plus, we talked about position before. If he calls, he still has position on you. He can bet again when you check, or he could check behind on the turn. There are so many reasons um, for him to call when you make it such a small size. So you're probably going to have to make it much bigger than just 3xing when he bets so small initially, right? One third pot. Maybe hit the pot button to see what the math is on that size of a bet and to see if that's what you'll have to do. But in this specific example, 7.5 big blind flop, he bets 2.5. I'd probably recommend going 12 or 13 big blinds, something like that. He'll have to call an additional 9.5 or even more, and that's a huge risk versus such a huge check raise. If you do this on some dry flops, it's going to really look like you have a set. Um, like, let's imagine jack 7-4. You open a raise pre-flop. You have a set of jacks right there, potentially. Set of sevens even as well, right? Your check and then a huge raise is, raise is going to send that message to him. It also looks like pocket aces and kings that are trying to get max value out of your opponent. Good chance he's folding here. Now, here's a really fun combo strategy that I love. It's isolating versus flop folding limpers. So hopefully you're doing some good table selection like I talked about in last week's podcast episode number 445. Um, link in the show notes or you can go to smartpokerstudy.com slash pod 445 to go directly to the um, uh, table selection episode. So assuming you have fish on your table, you probably got a few limpers there, right? What I want you to do is look around at all the limpers and find limpers who fold a lot on the flop. So you're looking for a fold to flop c-bet of 60% or greater. The higher the better, of course, but 60% is a pretty good cutoff. Now, what you're going to do with any playable hand, or actually, if you're in position, 
any hand whatsoever right here. It's it's great if your hand is playable, like Jack-8 suited. You've got a little bit of connectedness and some suitedness for some post-flop potential. But the key thing is that you're finding players who are folding on the flop. When they limp in, you're going to make it big. Five, six, seven big blinds. If everybody folds, great. You just picked up 2.5 big blinds. You're going to make a tick mark on your uh, on your sheet, right? Good, good, uh, good result right there. But hopefully you size it big enough so that everyone else folds and only the limper calls. So he limps, you make it six, they all fold. He calls five additional big blinds. Now this is the player. Remember, he folds a lot on the flop. The flop comes, he checks, you make a C bet and he folds. You just picked up an additional five big blinds in a super simple spot to find, right? Look for those uh, foldy flop limpers. Alrighty, it's time for you to do the Steel, Steel, Steel Challenge. Now, like I said, I'm going to be back on Monday with a fresh episode, and I'll discuss my own results, and then we'll compare your numbers to mine. So I'll see you then. <laughs>